What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm Jack Vita. We're back here for another edition of our MLB preview series. Uh, today we are covering the NL Central Division. This is our fourth episode out of six. And the last time we talked NL East, we had Jordan Morandini and Mickey Morandini on here. Lots of uh, really great time talking about that division. And tonight we're going to have another great time talking about the NL Central. Should be very interesting to see where that division stacks up. If you guys enjoyed today's episode of the show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and log on to jackvita.com for more content. We're going to have another episode coming this week, uh, recapping NCAA tournament, gets to the championship game in a few weeks. Should be a lot of fun. And then, like I said, we still got the AL Central and the NL West coming up over the next few days. And uh, then it's opening day, and we'll have plenty of baseball content all season long. So at this time, I think it's we should bring in our guest. I mentioned the NCAA tournament. He joined me three weeks ago, about three weeks ago, uh, previewing March Madness on Selection Sunday. He absolutely crushed it. Lots of He did a lot of prep work, did a great job. He's also a big-time Cincinnati Reds fan. We caught a game last year, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Ryan Packett, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jack. Um, I hope I get more right today than I did two or three weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, um, my, but yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say my whole final four is gone. So mine too. And that, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can put my hand on the Bible and say that's never happened before, but <laughs> it definitely hasn't happened since, uh, actually I, I, it would, uh, this would be the first time I did not at least get one final four team, right. Since 2011, wow. which, Hardly anyone got anyone right that year because I was a three of four and eight and yeah. eleven. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, not not great. But uh, well, the <laughs> the good news is that I can't speak for you because I know you haven't done one of these MLB preview podcasts before. But I tend to be generally pretty right on Major League Baseball. I called the last two uh, World Series champs in the preseason. I had the Braves last year, had the Dodgers a year before that, uh, and. I, I think we're going to do better here tonight on the NL Central. Do me a favor and pick the Reds to win it all, please. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I can do that. <laughs> um, you know what? Obviously, I have a lot of heart and a lot of bias in this division. You know, I have a great, I have love for some of these teams or one of this, one of these teams, and I have a hatred for one of these teams, but I'll uh, try my best to be fair. And I, I think I can look through it with a fair lens. But of course, there's always a little bias involved, but. I'll try my best. All right. Very good. Well, why don't we get started here with your team in red out there in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds going to look a little different this year. How have you, you you haven't watched any spring training games yet, Ryan, have you? I've scoreboard watched, but um, obviously basketball is kind of, I've never been a big uh, spring training watcher. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I I watch I I watched some Reds spring training the other night. I watched uh, yeah. Albert Almora go for two for two. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like watching the spring training games. I mean, it's a weird time because when the tournament isn't on, it's kind of like what do I do with myself? Because really, I know you like the NBA, but I don't care for the I don't watch mm-hmm. NBA 
regular season. I haven't watched much hockey recently. The Blackhawks have been brutal. So I feel like it's a good time for me to I, – I, I love baseball, so I'm always just snacking on baseball games when I get a chance. But, Ryan, things are going to look a little different. Give me a little uh, rundown of how this roster differs from a year ago. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And um, I obviously, I mean, you know, like I, I live and die with this team. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. When the Winker Suarez trade went down, I did throw my phone across the room. Um, I didn't cry, thought I would, but I didn't cry. But I was very, it, it hurt. And it, um, that trade hurt more than any trade it ever hurt in my life. Um, the only other one that really even compared, um, just because like there's other, there's been other like fan favorites that I've lost, but I've known it was coming. This came completely out of nowhere. And when Todd Frazier was traded in 2015, you know, he was a really big favorite of mine. Um, and it was, <laughs> I was, uh, about 15 minutes removed from, uh, or about 15 minutes away from starting a high school English final. So it wasn't the, Prime time for that news to be dropped on me yeah. and my, my <laughs> friends were quite worried about me um yeah this one was even worse because it was a two a two two punches instead of one but uh yeah so it uh it, it hurt really bad because you know winker is a homegrown guy um he's been in the system he's been you know we drafted him in like 2010 i think about that so he's yeah around then then yeah been a guy for us for a long time and then suarez is just um maybe just my favorite person to ever root for he's just an absolute um sweetheart and i know that that's not a very uh macho thing to say but i have no problem calling him a sweetheart (laughs) he's you know the guy can't even talk about his family without tearing up during the covid season and uh he's just i've i don't know i've He's always smiling, and I never thought I'd be someone who'd care for something like that. But just the guy just had just amazing energy. And um, even though he's really struggled the last couple of years, it really, really hurts to not see him in a Reds uniform. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people here in Chicago know what it's like to trade away a franchise third baseman that you love. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're not the only team in this division. The Reds fans aren't the only ones that are processing a loss right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, um, I understand the initial reactions and a lot of Reds fans aren't going to agree with me. And uh, hopefully this doesn't sound like I was sold a bill of goods, but <laughs> at least in that trade, I, I do think we, it, it, you, I do think we won the trade. Um, obviously the jury is going to be out on it for a long time, you know, usually years because in MLB, you know, most trades are established big leaguers for prospects, but I, I really think we won this trade. Um, so I, I mean, um, we, the thing, the thing is in it just to kind of bring the whole reds team together is if you look at the people that we've got rid of, um, which is a lot of people, Outside of Nick Castellanos, who was a free agent that we just didn't bring back, everyone that we got rid of was either in the last year of their contract or has had extensive injury history. Or or has been Amir Garrett, who has gotten into multiple altercations <laughs> over the years. Is looking for he's, um, he's the lights likes the fight, likes to fight guy of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um 
would I take Suarez and Winker back if it meant I had to keep Garrett? Yeah, but it definitely softened the blow because <laughs> I just I don't I, I don't think that that guy cares about anything other than his own stats. I really don't. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I did like that trade though. You pick up Mike Miner, get a, maybe get a bounce back out of him. I know Cincinnati's not exactly an easy place for guys for pitchers to come to in such a hitter's park. They're a great American. But, uh, I mean, you're flipping a guy who's coming off a pretty bad year. Amir Garrett really struggled last year. And you're picking up a guy who is, I think he's going to slot in as their number three starter this year. Yeah, he's not going to be ready till about the end of April. Um, like our, our rotation is going to, we have him and Castillo both. Uh, we'll start the season on the IL, but they're not expected to miss too much time. Uh, especially with Castillo, it's more so that they're not injured. Their spring training just started late because of injuries from the winter. Um, the interesting thing about Mike Miner is he played for our pitching coach, Derek Johnson in college and also did Sonny Gray who kind of had a renaissance with the Reds yeah. also did Wade Miley who had a renaissance <laughs> with the Reds. So it, that's something to be excited about. Derek Johnson has had this knack for uh, fixing guys that he played with in, or that he coached in college. So he coached all three of those guys in college. Yes. Wow. Yes. What school or school? Uh, well, I know Sonny Gray was at Vanderbilt. Yes. Um, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I would. I wish I had known about that. I would have <laughs> dove into that. I'll definitely check into that after we get finished. Uh, and then, of course, I think the other thing that's really exciting in terms of pitching is you. We could be seeing Hunter Green this year. In fact, we probably will be seeing Hunter Green, who is. Oh, you 22. will be seeing him on on April tenth. He's our he's our number four. Yeah. Um, and I actually might have what might be a little bit of a hot take. I don't think he's our best pitcher who's going to debut this year. I actually think Nick Lodolo is going to have a better year than Hunter Green. Um, Hunter Green's ceiling is ridiculous. But Nick Lodolo's floor, I think, is much higher than Hunter Green's. What makes me feel good about Green is if he does, you know, flame out as a starter, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities. They're not going to give up on him anytime soon. I think he would have a future as a, a bullpen arm if he yeah. were to fail as a starter. Um, but Nick Lodolo, uh, he's been compared a lot to Chris Sale. His delivery isn't quite that um, distinct, but it is it is kind of similar, and he's a sinker slider guy. So I, I, I like where we are with that, and we have plenty of other young young arms too. What's also exciting about it is, yeah, we're going to have a lot of rookies play this year, but it's going to be kind of similar to India and Stevenson last year. Aren't um, coming uh, outside of Hunter Green. They're guys that pitched and succeeded in college. They're 24, 25-year-old rookies. They're not 20, 21-year-old guys. So I don't expect the rookie year to – or the – the adjustment to major leagues to be as difficult for them. So you think they'll pick it up a little quicker than the younger guys would? Yeah. And I, I think it's the, you know, similar thing where the ceiling might not be as high, but I feel really solid about these guys, at least being above average MLB pitchers. Um, and that's, you're talking about Lodolo and Hunter green. Yes. And yeah. then we also, we got Brian, or excuse me. We got, um, uh, Brandon Williamson in the Winker Suarez trade. He is a left-hander 
like Nick Lodolo. He is 6'6", like Nick Lodolo, and he went to TCU at the same time as Nick Lodolo. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully and, uh, he ends up uh, having a better Reds career than uh, the other TCU pitcher that came in. Well, I mean, I'm sure they've had others, but I was thinking Brandon Finnegan. Yeah, um, Finnegan was, uh, you know, he just kind of fell off. I, I thought uh, I was really excited to get him in that Cueto oh, trade. It just I think everyone was pumped for that. That was a big uh, yeah. Cueto trade, right? Mm-hmm. Cueto yeah. trade. And he, I mean, he came in that uh, wild card game in 2014, when the, the year the Royals went to the World Series and lost. And he was just a machine. He was uh, he was drafted that like few months earlier than that. He came into that game. I think he gave him two or three innings. Uh, he looked great. But yeah, hope we he was the only guy to uh, be in the College World Series and Major League World Series in the same year. That's I don't right. know if that has happened since, but he was the first. I don't think it has. Uh, nonetheless, so there's some things to like here. So you, what do you think in the pitching staff is going to look like come June? Well, we haven't, um, we're rolling with the four man rotation for the first couple weeks just because there's a couple off days in there. And Lodolo's pretty much, it, it hasn't been announced, but it's pretty much like believed that Lodolo is going to be number five. The reason why is he's not on the 40 man and it kind of gives us a little more flexibility. We don't have to cut someone right away. There's no need to bring him onto the team until that ninth or 10th game where he'll make that start because we're just going to roll over our four guys. Um, so it'll be Mally. Mally will pitch opening day. Then Reaver San Martin, who got a couple starts last year. Lefty will be our game two. Vladimir Gutierrez will be number three, who had a pretty solid rookie year last year. Um, and then Hunter Green will pitch game four, and that'll roll over. That'll happen again, and then Lodolo will be slotted in fifth. Um, but expect by about the end of April to see Castillo and Minor uh, pop in there. I think Reaver San Martin is um, more than likely to end up in the bullpen just from a perspective that they're not going to put Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo in the bullpen this year if they get knocked out. They're not doing a six-man rotation either. I don't think so, at least not quite. And I do think that if um, those guys don't do well enough to stay in the rotation, they're just going to get down to AAA and stay as starters. And the Reds also only have one left-handed reliever right now, Justin Wilson, which makes me also think that Reaver San Martin is likely to be put in the bullpen. Now, Ryan, what exactly is the plan here? Because I think a lot of people looked at the Winker trade from outside Cincinnati, and the takeaway was cheap owner, cheap team. This is what the Reds do whenever they seem to be turning a corner and getting good. They sell off guys. What's the plan here? Are they going for it this year? Are they going to be selling off some pieces at some point? Are they going to see what they have and then adjust accordingly, figure out if they're buyers or sellers come deadline? If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will <laughs> lose to the Yankees out there. You know, I think it's um, – and, and this is a, a fair criticism to say that the Reds have had a problem of having one foot in and one foot out. They've really never went full fire sale. And the only time we went full all in really was 2020 in recent memory. And then COVID, you know, happened and apparently hurt the owner's pocketbooks. I don't know. I think it's a combination of both. I know that the Reds had to meet a certain payroll, but uh, our payroll is like 110 million. So it's not like insanely. Yeah, that's probably if I were guessing where that ranks, 
in terms of the league, that'd probably be somewhere between like 11 and 17 would be my guess. I think it's close to 20, but I'm not oh, really? okay. sure. Um, it is down. I think we got up to about 130 last year. But um, yeah, it's not a full fire sale because if it was a full fire sale, Castillo and Mally wouldn't be here anymore. They only have two years left on their contract. Why would we keep them? I think it's what our what our GM came out and said, and our GM has been said, people, Reds fans have said our GM needs a PR guy because he doesn't speak that well. <laughs> but he said, we're trying to eliminate peaks and valleys. You look at that and be like, eliminate peaks. Everyone wants to peak. Um, what, what he had meant was, we're trying not to play, and I believe he used the word windows. We're trying not to play in windows. We're trying to build a team that, if you're not the Dodgers, the Yankees, or one of these other teams that have just so much more money than everyone else that can continue to compete. And I think we're trying to copy the Rays strategy a little bit. And I feel like the Reds this year took a minor step back, not as big a step back as people think, but I definitely think the next five years look a lot better. I think 2023 and 2024 look a lot better than they did because we had a lot of guys that were coming expiring contracts. So, and then you're just basically un- unloading the Suarez contract, punting on that. You're done with that one. Cause he he's owed a lot of money. He is. It's like, uh, he's got a 15 million buyout. I think after three more years, I think he's yeah. got like 35 million owed and then a 15 option with a or not a 15 million buyout uh, um like 15 million dollar option with like a probably like a six seven million dollar buyout um it sucks because suarez uh was an all-star third baseman and it's you can't say he won't ever get back there but last year he was uh not good even though he hit 30 home runs he just you know he bat he had the lowest qualifying batting average i believe uh around like 190 and uh it's not gonna cut it so uh, what's interesting is the Reds lineup, which scored the most runs in the NL Central last year, is actually projected to be marginally better this year. How? Yeah, I know. How? Well, <laughs> if you remove you remove Suarez, first of all, all right, and um, you slot in Mike Moustakis. Now, Mike Moustakis needs to stay healthy. Um, we can't be confident that that's going to happen yet. Also, Mike Moustakis back at third base. That's where we like to see Yeah. Him. I don't think that's going to stay. I think he's going to be DH. Yeah, because we got to keep him healthy. Okay, okay, okay. But he's not playing second base, is my point. They were doing the whole thing where they're putting him at second base, and then Suarez was playing some shortstop. So in theory, I would think they're probably going to be better defensively, too, for that matter. Oh, 100%. Um, To start the season, it's going to be Moran at third, I think. Um. And then Donovan Solano against lefties at third. And, but Donovan Solano, I believe, is going to miss the first week or two with an injury. So I don't know exactly how that's going to work. And then I, what, I, what I think might happen later is Jose Barrero, who was supposed to play shortstop, he has a wrist issue. He's out till probably at least June. Kyle Farmer is now our shortstop. Um, I think Farmer could eventually be moved to third. Um, you know, farmer's not, not a great hitter, but he's just, uh, he's, he's, he's in there every day. He is a really good fielder and he's not, um, he's not in over his head at the plate, especially against lefties. So he's someone I'm very happy to have on the team. So you bring back Mustakas, and what else is going to make this team better offensively? 
the other big thing, and this is a massive if, because this guy coughs and he gets hurt, but Nick Senzel. Everyone's forgotten about Nick Senzel, and for good reason. If Nick Senzel has a healthy year, and he's always performed when he's been healthy, it's like a free agent signing. It's true. Yeah. And then uh, you- Tommy Pham. We brought Tommy Pham in. This is really hard for me because I really do not like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if he produces... You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're talking yourself into it. Last year, the Reds won. Hold on one second. How many games did they win last year, Ryan? I'm sure you remember. 79. 79. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Only 79? Yeah. We, what? Sorry. I, I just spoiled my prediction. We won 83. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm fl- my prediction this year is a flip flop. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 83. We won 83. 83 and 79 a year ago, their over under total is 74 and a half. So you're going over 74 and a half and you're going to say 79, 83. Yes. I think there's a lot of volatility here. Um, The big red platoon is going to be trending, I think, because outside of Votto, India and Stevenson, I don't think anyone's going to really, and fam, I guess will be too. I don't think anyone else is going to be everyday player just because we got to manage injuries And then with the new, and I think this is something we're going to see with a lot of NL teams without having to pinch hit now for the pitcher and the DH. I think that we're going to see a lot more platoon guys, especially in April where you can carry 28 people. Do you think that with the 28, like some people think that that's just basically going to be more pitcher spots, more pitchers for most people. It will be. Um, I think I think most teams are going to go 15 pitchers, 13 hitters. I think the Reds are going to go 14-14 just because um, uh, Aristides Aquino doesn't have an option, and I, I don't think they're fully ready to give up on him. And then Shogo Akiyama we're pay, paying $8 million to, and I don't think they fully want to close the book on that yet, so I think they're going to give some people some April auditions before they make some big decisions. They should be given Albert Elmora Jr. an audition. <laughs> I mean, that guy, I'm telling you, I, when he is in center field, I don't, he is as good as Kiermeyer in terms of defense. That's how yeah. good this guy is. I don't think there's a spot for him right now. Um, just because the, the everyday outfielder lineup is going to be um, Famine left, Senzel in center, and then Naquin in right but Naquin probably won't start against lefties. And then Senzel is going to get a hefty amount of days off just to keep him healthy. I, I think that has to happen. Um, Jake Fraley is going to get a good amount of starts against righties. He's another guy who came over in the winker trade. Um, he's a former top 100 guy. He uh, does very well against righties. Uh, he can't hit lefties at all. So he's kind of like just a smaller version of winker. I mean, he does not hit righties as good as winker did, but that's another reason why, the run production projection is up because although we lose a lot from Winker against the right-handed side, Winker has never hit lefties at all, but he is probably a top five hitter against righties in baseball. All right. Very good. Well, okay. So 74 and a half is a total last year, pretty good year, 83 wins. And like you said, the COVID year really hurt them. They were going for it all that year. I guess my last thing I'd like to know is if this team, let's say they do not get off to a good start. Let's say they're, I don't know, 10 games out come June, come July, 12 games out. 
Are you selling pieces? Um, unless we're planning on extending Castillo or Mally, I think you have to. And I think those guys will come with uh, pretty darn good trade value. Oh, totally. For that um, reason, I'm going. I, I'm not going to go with 79 wins. I'm going to go below you on that. But continue. Sorry. No, Cut fair enough. I totally get it. I think there's a lot of volatility here with this team. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do think it's going to be a reverse of the old adage, though, of like, can you get through the dog days of August? What I think is going to happen is we have a very tough April. We start off against Atlanta. We play nine games out West. Out West usually hasn't gone well for us. Um, and then we don't have Castillo or Minor for these first couple weeks. Can the Reds get through their first 30 games with about 14 wins or something to stay in it? That's going to be tough. And then can this team do well in September? We were horrible in September last year. It was our playoff spot to lose, and we blew it against a very favorable schedule. I think these young guys are actually going to do pretty well through the grind in like June and July. I think we'll do well in the middle. I'm concerned about the beginning and the end. That's yeah. what really concerns me about this team. Yeah, I had a similar thought. And I you're also losing, in addition to that, you're losing your two best hitters from last year. Um, fair? Castellanos um, and Winker, two best hitters? Two of your Winker, top three? Or, sorry, Castellanos was our best hitter last year. I think it's a full body of work of Winker was our second best hitter. The only thing is he's never had a fully healthy season. Yeah. And I, I hope he does. I'm not rooting against him, but that's going to be a big part of if this trade was a win or not, is if he can be healthy. And also, he's a negative against lefties. So Jonathan India had a pretty darn good year. Uh, Joey Votto's Joey Votto. Um, Winker putting him second is very fair. Two of your top three. How about that? You're losing. That's definitely fair. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what they're really replacing that with. The platoon thing can work, but unless you're actually Tampa. I'm not really going to buy into it fully until I see it. Also at catcher, we do have a massive offensive upgrade. Um, I love me some Tucker Barnhart, but Tyler Stevenson, he hit last year. Yeah. Where is Tucker Barnhart? Detroit. Interesting. I it was time to that. give, give the job to Stevenson. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, mm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go under on the 74 and a half. I, I could definitely see, the situation that you're painting playing out. And I also think that they could end up being better than people expect. So I'm not going to go to the point where some people are expecting them to really stink. I'm going to go with, let's say 71 wins for the Reds this year. Okay. If we're sellers at the deadline, 90 losses in the 90 loss range, 90 to 95 is very possible. And that's why I think they will be sellers at the deadline because I don't think they survived that April. And yeah, I think you could see like them start to play a little better right before the trade deadline. But is it going to be enough? Now, this this extra wild card spot could change the outlook for teams like the Reds. So maybe they don't sell. But I think they're going to sell. I'm going to go under. Uh, but I do think that they're going to be, it's going to be, if you're wanting to watch the Reds, which if you're like me and you're crazy and you just watch everybody on MLB at bat or MLB.tv, watch the Reds because you're going to want to see how these young pitchers fare because that's the nucleus of their team moving into the future. Um, 
And I do think they're going to set themselves up well for the future, but I think it's going to take in order for them to take a step forward. They're going to stick, take a step backwards this year. That's fair. And that, that's the silver lining. Even if we do have a really bad season, the two things that can get a Reds fan through it is one. I, I think it's un, uh, undeniable that our future is brighter now than it was, or at least extended like, and then second is we're going to have so many new faces to watch this year. It should be fun to watch these young guys uh, regardless. So there'll still be things to root for. Totally. Now, the next question is, how bad are the Pittsburgh Pirates going to be <laughs> in 2022? <laughs> um, not to spoil like my whole thing here, but I mean, most people are probably thinking along the same lines as me. It's hard to run a standard deviation or probably not fair when you have only five teams, but uh, I believe that this division uh, has one team that is head and shoulders better than everyone else, one team that is head and shoulders worse than everyone else, and then three teams that are pretty close to the median. Mm, and uh, I think that Pittsburgh is um, – I don't think they'll win. I, I think they're going to struggle to get to 70. Yeah, they're going to be the Baltimore of the National League. Yeah. Think- um and you know they got some young faces to look forward to, but and they're going to be sellers too. Brian Reynolds probably won't make it through. He might not even make it through I mean, April. So they're talking about trading him. They're entertaining offers. They have four years of control on him. I I understand the idea that you could get a great package back for him at this time, but since you have four years of control, I mean, why trade him now? Why not wait a little longer? Do you, the, the package would be great. Do you think the yeah. Pirates will be competitive in two years? No, I don't. Then you should move them. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think that, yeah, two years from now, two years from now, they could be interesting. I don't know. I mean, taking a look at this team, Kevin Newman's a good player. They're shortstop. Uh Cabrian Hayes, who unfortunately had to miss most of last year, he has the potential to be great. He's I uh, like him a lot. I do yeah. like him a lot. He's a star in the making type of player. Reynolds is a star. Reynolds, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because he's a Pittsburgh guy. His name is Brian. He reminds me a little bit of Brian Giles. Mm. Although he's, pr- he's probably better than Brian Giles. In all <laughs> uh, I would agree. Yeah, and then past that, I mean, is there anyone else? Michael Chavis maybe is another guy to keep an eye on, but in terms of everyday players in their lineup, is there anyone else that on the big league roster that you're like intrigued by on the rest of this team? I feel like professional like keg tossing, maybe Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that um, guy, he's going to be he's he's one of those players who's really going to benefit from the DH coming to the National League like that. That's job creation at its finest. Yeah, and he's platoon. Um, uh, very, very much platoon. He will not play again. Well, maybe he will in Pittsburgh, but he shouldn't. He has no business playing against lefties. Um, Mitch Keller, maybe he'll finally, you know, put it together. Oh, I was talking position players, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, in uh, terms position of position players, players. Yeah, past that, they do have two guys who are top 20 the number 20 and the number 26 prospect, uh, uh, according to MLB.com, Nick Gonzalez, second baseman, and O'Neill Cruz. Those two guys are expected to make their debuts this year. So some help is on the way, but 
if they trade Reynolds, I mean, this is if they trade Reynolds, this team is definitely hitting the under and the under is 65 and a half. I, <laughs> I think I'm already going to say I'm going under, but we'll talk about their pitching staff in a second. What did they win last year? 68. Last year they won 61. Oh, so ooh. why would they be four Edit games that. better? <laughs> yeah, they're they, worse than last year. They're worse than last year. They traded. They had at least had Adam Frazier for the first half of last year. There are some other guys. I mean, Stephen Brault was a guy. I think they either non-tendered him or let him walk. And I actually re- we'll talk Cubs in a second, but I like that pickup for the Cubs. I think he's uh, like, I, I don't understand why they let him go. Um, now, in terms of their rotation, there are a couple interesting guys to keep an eye on. JT Brubaker is probably, I would think he's going to be their top pitcher this year. Mitch Keller is another one who's shown some flashes of uh, a lot of potential. And then Bryce Wilson, uh, another guy who shown he showed some flashes in Atlanta. He's still really young. He's uh, This is his age 24 season okay. and he started you you might remember he started one of those posts he started some of those playoff games for the braves uh back in 2020 yeah he was one of the every brave pitcher who blanked us in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> so we did not score <laughs> no he i did he did he do yeah that's right he did that's right he started game two He's, I don't no, remember how many innings. No, no, he no. Had. He didn't start game two. That was uh free. No, it was Ian Anderson. Yeah, Ian Anderson, yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. No, but then in the wild card or no, the second round, he did well. Anyway, he's another guy. Maybe that's a nice landing spot for him to because the, the Braves had a lot of young pitchers. It was a little crowded for him to be a guy who could be like a rotation piece for him. So I kind of like that pickup. And then um Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana, after a really miserable year with the Angels, I think I think his best days are behind him. But uh, he'll have another chance to pitch in a pitching rotation here because he's on the worst team in the National League. Yeah, this is a typical. Let's see if we can get something out of him in July scenario. Um, yeah, if you're the Pirates, there's no reason not to pick him up. Yeah, because you need somebody to eat and trade him for him. Right. What? Yeah, you need, you need an inning eater because they don't they need have an, one. They need an inning eater. They need guys who, hey, if he if he gives you a good first half, you're able to flip them for something. Uh, but right. man, this seems worse. Like this seems really bad. Yeah, I know they're excited really about. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name right. Ros- Rosny Contreras. Um, I remember watching last year, they gave him like one or two starts at the very end of the year, almost like as a reward for like your, you know, let's let you debut. And um, I, I, he's a top 100 guy that they're excited about. Uh, but they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't, yeah. Ronzi, Ronzi Contreras. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ronzi Contreras. He's number 71. So, yeah, you can watch him. So, again, things to watch with this team. I think this team's really bad. Like, I think they're worse than the 61 last year. Um, I don't know if they even hit 58. What do you say? How many wins for them? What's the over under? 65 and a half. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No way. Um, losing 100 is tough. I mean, that's a lot of games to lose, but. Baltimore lost 110 last year. Ooh. Could Pittsburgh lose 
Let's see. So last year, Baltimore won 52 games. How many games better is this Pirates team? Now, granted, they were in the AL East. So they had, I mean, those teams cleaned up on Baltimore. I don't know if the Cubs and the Reds are going to clean up on the Pirates, but they well, should. That's the, other, that's the other problem. Though. The AL is more top-heavy and bottom-heavy. like yeah. The NL, like, there's not that many, like, terrible teams. So there aren't many, like, free win, which actually almost makes it worse if you're trying to not lose a ton yeah. of games. I think so. I think this is going to be, well, I don't know. It, it depends on where Arizona or Colorado might stand. I don't think Colorado is going to be that bad. Um, Arizona was the team that lost 110 last year. Um, I'm going to go, <laughs> let's say Pittsburgh wins 55 games. That would be 55 and, uh, ooh. 55 and 107. 107, yeah. Um, That's 10 under for me from the total. I'll, uh, I was actually going to say 55 too, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll price is rice, price is right it and go 56. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Well, let's get to the next team. Uh, the Chicago Cubbies. If we're going from last year's standings, uh, we're kind of working our way upward. We started with the Reds, well, Pirates, now Cubs. Cubs last year, and typically, I, I always like to say this, I don't think teams tank in baseball for the most part. I think most of the time, they're rebuilding. They're replenishing their part pipeline. And as a product of that, they don't win a lot of games. Like, Pittsburgh's not trying to, they're not trying no. to win 55 games. Right. The Cubs were the rare exception last year where I thought they were trying to lose games in the second half <laughs> to climb up the draft board. Oh, man. The, the pitching, especially the bullpen, um, was rough. <laughs> yeah. So the Cubs last year, of course, they sold off really their core, and I'm expecting them. I would be surprised if they do not trade Wilson Contreras this year. Uh, but there are some exciting young pieces that they brought in. It's kind of a weird roster makeup, though, because you have a mix of, like, in those trades that they made last year, they brought in Nick Madrigal. So you got a guy who's really early in his career, and I like I like that pickup a lot. But then you pick up a lot of guys. There were a lot of prospects who were, like, rookie ball, A-ball kind of guys. So various different timelines in terms of young talent. Um, it, I don't think they're going to, aside from Brennan Davis, who's the number 15 prospect in all of baseball, he's an outfielder. A lot of their high prospects shouldn't be coming up this year. Uh, there will be Caleb Killian. He's their number four prospect, uh, a pitcher who they got in the Chris Bryant trade, who was the MVP of the Arizona Fall League championship game this past fall. Um, he'll be interesting to watch. But if you want to take a look at just the the roster, I'm curious what your perspective on this team is, Ryan, as a non-Chicago person. Yeah, um, I thought you guys made the, and we talked about it last year. I thought you guys made the correct decision last year, and, and it, it sucks. It really does. It, it hurts your heart to do that, but you know it, it was the right move going forward. Uh, wow, did you guys win that Craig Kimbrell trade? Stop saying way? you guys. I don't play on the team. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Wow, did the wow did the Cubs win the 
Craig Kimbrell trade. <laughs> yeah, Kimbrell got dealt earlier today. By yeah. The way. Um, what's your take on the Suzuki signing? Suzuki Love signing. It. Love okay. it. Yeah. So Cubs outfield's going to be interesting. And this is where, like, there are certain things that I don't totally understand. Like, they're re- really overhauling this team. Like, you're going to look at your everyday lineup is going to look something along the lines of Frank Schwindel at first base, Patrick Wisdom at third base. Both those guys can, gave had really nice rookie years for them last year. I think they're thinking that they're hoping one or both those guys could maybe be like how the Dodgers have, have been able to go out and pick up Max Muncy and Justin Turner and Chris Taylor, um, pick them up for nothing and turn them into very good players. And both those guys were very good last year. Nick Madrigal at second base. Now Nico Horner's made a glass. He doesn't play a whole lot. Uh, I, I love the Andrelton Simmons pickup. You're picking up a guy who, might not he might not be the best defensive shortstop in the whole league uh, anymore, but he he's way up there in terms of great defense. Very good, yeah. Um, but then it's like some of these pickups you you go out and you pick up Clint Frazier, which is another I like one. That. Yeah, no, no. What I'm gonna say <laughs> is I like it. He's a high pick, not a very good defensive player. That's the type of moves you should be making to buy low on players and see what you can get out of them. But what doesn't make sense to me is why they hold on to Ian Happ when he's basically the same thing. And I think Frazier's, quite frankly, is better than Happ. Um, Guy's not good defensively. And Happ gave him nothing offensively last year. Like, I don't know why Happ's still there. Um, Jason Hayward might be a bench player this year. I mean, that <laughs> we'll see. I think maybe they're going to try to give Hayward a good amount of starts. And if he... If he can give the Cubs something, maybe they are able to trade him and eat the entire contract and take a prospect or two back. Um, but in the midst of all of that, they go out and going back to the original question, say a Suzuki who is a superstar in Japan. You know, I think one thing is the Cubs had Kosuke Fukudome. That was the last time they made a big splash with a Japanese player. And it did not work out the way that they had hoped. And honestly, something I was thinking about was Ichiro really thrived in Seattle. And Ichiro is one of the two or three best players, top five players, position players of the new millennium. So he's obviously an outlier. But Seattle has a pretty good Japanese community, Japanese Mm -hmm. population. Chicago doesn't. So that is one thing, like if I'm looking at Suzuki, like is that could that have been something of Fukudome, why he struggled here? Um, but based on what we've seen from him at spring training, uh, I, I love that pickup. I think that's the type of guy you should be bringing in because the Cubs are in rebuild here. They're not going to be competing this year. Um, I love the, I love the Suzuki pickup. I like the Frazier pickup and uh, I like I, I like the Wade Miley pickup, too. I think they made a lot of nice little moves without going out and spending big Um, because there was rumors that they could be in the mix for Correa or one of these other guys story. Um, And I'm I'm glad for their own sake that they passed on those guys. I, I actually don't like the Miley move. I don't see what purpose it does for you guys. 
Um, you guys. Just be- that's what i've talked my whole life i don't see what purpose it does for the chicago cubs um i also think that wade miley's i think that he's kind of hurt like i think he's damaged like i don't think he's gonna be healthy this year yeah Um, but i mean it's a cheap contract and you're filling out your pitching rotation i mean it's 10 million for one year right one yeah i mean one year's low risk i get that that's the point. Um, it's, that's what I, I think. You're not committing to guys long term when the right, team's right. not going to be good this year. The one that I I I don't, I'm not on board with the Strowman signing, just because I think this guy is. If you follow his Twitter feed, he's picking fights with people every day, and it's just really immature. It's concerning some of the things he says. Yeah, it's a circus. I I, I kind of like the move. Because, uh, I mean, we can talk about his, you know, personality or like clubhouse issues or whatever. But from a production standpoint on the baseball field, I think you guys could definitely be competing in three years. I might have liked this more if it was a five-year deal. Um, it's three years, right? Three years, yeah. I, yeah. I would not want to commit to this guy. Honestly, I think he's been a little up and down and consistent over the course of his career. Um, and he didn't pitch in 2020 last year. He had a good year. He gets a lot of ground balls. You need to have a good defense behind him. So it'd be interesting to see what the Cubs defense, how it, if it improves, cause they've had a pretty bad defense. They've been a bad defensive team, in my opinion, over the last couple of years. Um, especially with Ian Happ out there in center field. I mean, there's, uh, they haven't been a great defensive team, but, um, I don't know. I think my guess would be since they gave him only three years is like we said, the Cubs aren't going to be competing for a division crown this year or next year. So you're looking at maybe his final year being the year that you're back in contention. This tells me that they're not committing this guy long-term and he's probably, if he has a great first half, he's trade bait. That's what I think this is. I don't know. Not on a three-year deal. I kind of disagree with you. I actually, I kind of think that there's a non-zero chance here that the Cubs have a decent first half and they go out and buy a little bit at the deadline on guys that have more than one year on their contract. And I could see this Cubs team actually not being that bad this year. Oh, I I, can, uh, I agree. I, can, I don't, think, I, I don't think they're going to be like, I, I see, I see what you're saying about them being not bad, but I would be shocked if they buy at the deadline. I think they might go for people um, kind of not to tie it back to the Reds, but kind of like we did with Bauer where we were kind of out of it, but it was a, it, he had two years left on his deal, not one. I could see you guys doing, I could see the Cubs doing something like that. Um, and I, I don't think it's impossible for this team to contend for a wild card and maybe creep their way into a battle for second place in this division. I don't see that. You I don't think see that, it? No, I think that they could have a strong... Like, like if we're in June and the Cubs are in second place, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be very surprised if we get th- into the dog days and the Cubs are actually competing. Like, I think... I do think that there's a case to be made that, you know what? I, I They're not going to... I don't think they're going to be as bad as last year. Certainly not. And last year, you're uh, 71 wins... So I think they might be closer to 500 
Um, like I, I'm thinking more around 77 ish wins, maybe a little less than that. I actually think 74, 75 and a half is a pretty good number for them. Um, the fact that the reds are down and the pirates stink, that does open the door from the win a lot more games than they probably should. Um, and you know, honestly, like they're going to trade Contreras at this point, like the, that would, it would be bad for the Cubs to be good because then they can't <laughs> trade Contreras and they, right. they should trade him because they're not going to keep them. And that's a piece that you can get something substantial back when you're not competing this year. So I think, I think they're, they're going to be selling once again. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I think they're going to be interesting. Jonathan VR, another nice guy to pick up. Um, but honestly, I'm, I am really excited to watch Nikki two strikes, Nick magical. I think, <laughs> I think that the Cubs, uh, one of the problems that they had over the last several years was they had this lineup that was built primarily of power bats and they didn't have any guy like a Nick magical on their team. Not really. I mean, maybe a couple that you could point to over the years, but really like Tommy Lastella was that guy and Tommy Lastella got traded and he didn't get to play on the playoff roster in 2016. And he was a bench guy for the most part. Um, and I think Nikki, I think Nikki two strikes is going to be, I, I'm really excited because he, I think he's good defensively and he's that kind of contact bat puts the ball in play that the Cubs have missed over the years. Um, I just think if if Nico stays healthy along with Madrigal, I feel like, and then Schwindel too. You guys kind of have like the Cubs. God, <laughs> geez, uh, <laughs> you guys have this like um, perfect storm that could happen. Your bullpen. You went out and you, the Cubs went out and they they made some uh, good moves. I think by getting Michael Givens and David Robertson and Chris Martin. Not top tier bullpen guys, but solid bullpen guys that uh, could bridge the gap and not blow, you know, blow too many games and, and do just a good enough. And your rotation, this team has kind of turned back the clock with Alex Mill, Alec Mills, Kyle Hendricks, uh, Drew Smiley. In a vacuum, maybe these guys aren't that great. Um, Kyle Hendricks is is pretty darn good, but yeah. I think I honestly think Kyle Hendricks is, I would say, the most underrated pitcher of the last 10 years. I mean, I'd have to run the numbers on that, but I don't hate the take. Um, (laughs) I, 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 uh, over the course of the season, where you're seeing hard throwers, hard throwers, hard throwers, then you run into the Cubs with they got these soft throwing starters, and then you got, you got Stroman in there too. And then I know Steele and Thompson aren't like that, but. I think this could be interesting, and I, I think that uh, this team has turned back the clock a little bit. Not as much as a team in this division that I think has turned back the clock more than anyone in baseball um, that we haven't got to yet. But <laughs> I, I, I think there's potential here. You know, you got guys that can get get. Um, you know, you got some singles guys, guys that get on base, and then you know, if Wisdom has another good year, if Frazier becomes what people think he could have become, if you know, if have I, I know there's a lot of ifs here. Uh, Suzuki, obviously, people expect him to be pretty good. I, I don't think this team's all that bad at all. And I, I think that 500 is very attainable. I'm going to say you guys, I'm going to say the Cubs win <laughs> 70. <laughs> I'm going to say the Cubs win uh, 70, 
eight games. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good number. And I I also want to comment on the bullpen thing. I think the bullpen thing is going to be similar to what they did last year where they went out and they just kicked around Ryan Tapera, pick him up. He has a great year for them. Trade him. That's what I think this is going to be. I think that they're, you get to the deadline, they're selling David Robertson. They're selling Chris Martin. Those are going to be, if you get a couple of really good years out of those guys, they're going to be in high demand. Cheap relievers that you can add to your team in terms of contracts. Um, so I do like what they did because they didn't spend big um, in terms of money. And they're they're gearing up for the future. Like we talk about, there are some, there are some really they they had to replenish their farm system because there was truly nothing there a year ago. Um, Ed Howard, who's a twenty twenty first round pick, he batted like one ninety or two hundred in rookie ball last year. So they yeah, had. I remember to, you talking about that on the yeah, trade deadline show? Yeah, they had to just totally overhaul, and this is the this is the start. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Is there anyone that we we glazed over that you wanted to talk about on this team or Jonathan Jonathan VR is a solid pickup. Yeah. Um, I think the moves with the bullpen are enough to get this team from like 72 to like 78 wins. And I I, I don't see them going, even though it might not be the correct move. I think it's going to be a little bit of a one foot in one foot out thing at the deadline this year, especially how the fans reacted last year. Um, I I think it's going to be enough to get this team close to 500. Okay. So I think, yeah, I definitely differ on that because I think they're going to continue what they did last year in terms of selling. Um, And I think that if you, it might not be a total fire sale like it was last year, but Mm -hmm. you're going to sell some guys and, that's also that that's going to factor in the win total. I'll go 77. So I'll go slightly below you. All right, cool. So we're both over though. I mean, there were, we both, so, so Vegas has them at 75 and there are a lot of people who think they're going to be way worse than that. So we're both saying Cubs, not, not bad this year. Both marginally over. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk team that finished second last year. Uh, 90 and 72 got into the wild card game, red hot at the end of the year, and they fired their manager shockingly, Mike Schilt, out of St. Louis. And what's the name of the new manager? I, I always Oliver, forget. Ollie Marmol. Yeah, um, that's Cardinals right. fired a top five manager in baseball, in my opinion. Very strange, and you. Definitely, my guess is what you had alluded to earlier is you think the Brewers are way better than everybody else. And I think, do. You think the Cardinals are in the same room as the Reds and the Cubs? And I respect the Cardinals as an organization too much to think that they're a 70-something win team. Like I think this team will be competing for the division. Now, I, favor, I do favor Milwaukee over St. Louis, but... Uh, let me let me hear your take on this St. Louis team. I have them um, slightly over 500. And the big reason is I just I don't see this pitching staff making it. Um, if everyone stays healthy, they'll win 90 games. But <laughs> you, Steven Matz is really the only person with any history of, you know, being healthy. It, 
not even him really. And um, I mean, Wainwright has, but Wainwright's like 900 years old now. Uh, so you, you just can't expect him to do what he did last year. Um, Flaherty, who knows when we'll see him. Um, uh, Michaelis has not been healthy for a long time. Dakota Hudson's coming off of a uh, full season, almost an entire season off. That's just a lot. And they didn't, I know they went out and they got mats, but I think that this was the time to go out and get more pitching. I thought it would have been worth it to go get Scherzer or something. And I think that would have put him in con- like a real contention. I right. think they're marginally contenders right now. Um, and I, I know I just I don't want to um, just sit here and crap on this team because they, they have uh, I, I really respect and like what they've done. They've went. I think they've really turned back the clock. They value defense unlike other teams have. This team is maybe the best defensive team in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, just when you look at gold glove caliber players. I believe that eight of the nine positions get nominated last year. I think I know it was at least seven and they had five win it. Um, This team's ridiculous and they're doing the right thing by going out there and getting sinker ballers. Their bullpen is pretty solid uh, enough to the point where they can cover for a subpar starting pitching. Also along with being great fielding, this is I think the best team against lefties in baseball. Uh, problem is, though, I don't even know if they're an average hitting team against righties. And you're going to see righties a little bit more than lefties. Uh, if healthy, yeah, they could be about a 90-win team. I don't see them having three people have like complete starting pitching seasons. Uh, and I just, I, I, unless they go out to the deadline and get some people, which they probably will try to, uh, I don't think it's going to go well enough. And I know they usually figure it out, but I have them like at 83 wins. So let me ask you this. Cause you made mention of the pitching staff a couple of times there. Do you know what the status on Flaherty is? I know he's looking at a second opinion, but I don't think he's expected to touch the field until like June, right? Something I, I, I haven't looked, I don't know. But yeah, that sounds right. And then Hudson, where's he at? I mean, he's he's healthy, but he just he's coming off uh, Tommy John. Yeah. Okay, so I still like Hudson despite that, and I for some reason I I really like the Stephen Matz pickup. Like this is a guy who's been up and down in his career, but he just kind of feels like a St. Louis Cardinal. Like he just has that makeup. And he seems like that type of guy. I judge their assessment on pitching in general. And I, I feel like he could, we could see a different Steven Matz here in St. Louis. Like that, that would not surprise me. Um, Wayne, was, you know, fabulous last year. How long can he keep doing that? Who knows? I'm expecting him to give him something. So I like their pitching staff enough. Now, last year, I and I think the fact that you have Flaherty and Hudson coming back and you did pick up Matt's, like, it's going to be better from last year. Can we say that? Or do you think it's You worse? have Flaherty coming back? Yeah. You don't think he'll come I, back at all? I, so yeah, I think he'll come. I, I don't, I don't, I think it's um, not reasonable to 
expect him to make it the entire season once he comes back. Okay. Okay. Well, ignoring Flaherty, Matson Hudson, Michaelis, better or worse than last year? Like last year, they had to go out and get John Lester at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Like I and can't happen. even remember who some of those other guys that pitched for him were last year. I yeah, mean, like Woodford and Oviedo. Um, yeah. Hap. Uh, oh, yeah, they did Jay. go out and get. Drew, yeah, they got Drew Verhagen, which could be interesting and huge. Um, reminds me of a lot of when they got Michaelis, a guy who pitched overseas for a couple years, trying him back in the big leagues, and it went well for Michaelis that first year. Uh, I, I, other than, um, I, I don't even see one consistent arm here, which is just, I, it's, it's going to be tough. Adam Wainwright last year at age 39, 17 and seven with a three Oh five ERA. I think to expect him to repeat that is insane. (laughs) <laughs> and i i'm sorry i i think this lineup is very good and i think this bullpen is good and uh yeah if these pitchers are all going to be healthy this team could win the world series but i just don't see it you know what i'm interested in moving over the lineup what kind of years nolan arnado gonna have i mean he he had a quality year last year but in terms of where we were used to Nolan Arenado being kind of like the silver slugger every year in third base or him or Bryant kind of going back and forth on that. And last year, 255 with only a 312 OBP. Um, he did hit 34 home runs. He did hit 105 RBIs, OPS over 800. So, I mean, yeah, he gave him a, he was good, but he's owed a lot of money. There are a lot of years left on that contract. And he's still going to be the premier gold glove third baseman. But, I mean, if he can give them something that resembles more of the Arenado that we're used to, and that would be a huge game changer for them this year, don't you think? If he's just like 80% of what he's normally been. Last year, he's probably like 60%. I'd expect him to be better than last year. I don't know if we're going to get Coors Field Arenado again. Probably not. But, uh, I mean, he's going to bring it on the defensive end. Uh, He's a top three third baseman in Major League Baseball with the obvious potential to be the best third baseman in baseball this year. Yeah. And then, Um, sorry. No, Goldschmidt is very good. Yeah. Um, Can Tyler... Goldschmidt low key had a great year last year. Like he, oh yeah, two ninety half was insane. Two ninety four, three sixty five, eight seventy nine with ninety nine RBIs and thirty one home runs, and then a Gold Glove at first base. Like that's a that's a great player right there. And he had that was the best year he's had with St. Louis so far. Um, Tyler O'Neill, if he's healthy, could win MVP. He's very good. He is very good. He is a five tool. Yeah. Dylan Carlson, uh, another one in terms of if you're looking for a young breakout player, he would be he would fit that bill as well. And then Bader last year, I didn't realize Bader, it out. Yeah, Bader had a really good year last year, too. He hit 267. In addition to all that you bring up with defense, they're also a team that has pretty good speed on the base base pass. Yep. They can they can take an extra bag 
on a single in the gap or double in the gap or whatever it is. They they'll, they'll grab an extra bag there. They bunt sometimes they steal some bases. Uh, so I like that about them. You got Tommy Edmond, who's so fast, <laughs> um, great defensive team, but yeah, it also, it will be interesting factoring all this in. You have a, a, a rookie manager, uh, leading this bunch and you say they're losing a top five manager in all baseball. So that's something I have to think is also accounting for your, uh, win reduction from a year ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe the club, I don't know. I mean, we're not in the clubhouse. Maybe this is a positive move for the clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> Marmol was like 13 when pools like debuted for the Cardinals, which is kind of funny. Um, Oh my gosh, we went this long without talking about Albert Pujols. Yeah, I was waiting. Yeah, what's your take on that? I love it. I think this is great for the game. And if I have time, I was hoping I'd have time this week. I was going to write this piece, but I did not have time. And my take is that, remember when Derek Jeter, we rolled out the red carpet for him and it was this grand spectacle and we sent him off the retirement tour. Albert Pujols should get that same treatment. And I would say, and more, but I really don't know what more you could do because Jeter got everything. Um, And you know what? I I like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter belongs in the hall of fame and I'm glad he got that treatment because he was a great ambassador for the sport, carried himself with so much grace and so much class. But Albert Pujols was a, significantly better player than Derek Jeter. I mean, when you look at players from the new millennium, pools might be the best one. Uh, you talk trout, you talk Ichiro. I don't know who else you would throw in that conversation, but I get that. Um, um, Derek Jeter played his whole career for the Yankees. And that obviously counted for something on his retirement tour. When you compare the two players, it's not even close. Albert Pujols knocks his socks off. Albert Pujols is the best hitter of our generation. Yeah. Um, is he the best player? Depends how much you value defense right. and speed. Um, I think he's either one or two. It's either him or Trout. Yeah. Um, it's And then Ichiro. <laughs> Those would be my top three, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we we were not doing a podcast on that topic, but in terms yeah. of like guys who are just staples, icons, he's coming back home to St. Louis. He's been a first class sit up, upstanding citizen in this league, done so much charity, great guy. It's always been his reputation. This should be the Albert Pujols retirement tour. And I don't think Pujols is even did Pujols say this is his last go. Did he say he this? Did. Is it? OK, so he did. So we know it is. Do we trust those statements anymore? Like, I'm retiring. This is my last year. (laughs) Can we trust this? I think that in this case, we should. Um, I want to see this should. The league should make a big deal about this because this is a big deal. And I mean, like they gave CC Sabathia like an honorary spot at the All-Star game back in 2019. And CC Sabathia was not the best pitcher of his generation. Like his career really faded when he got to the Yankees after a couple of years. So if you want, and obviously you could say the same thing about Pujols in, in Anaheim, but 
I just think that this should be a big deal. I like the retirement tour. I think it's a good way to kind of send guys off. Um, and yeah, I think Pujols is 100% worthy of it. What do you think? I have no problem with it. The only other thing that might be playing a factor in it is that Derek Jeter was like a legit all-star caliber player his final year. Pujols is not. Uh, Pujols is a platoon player. Um, I, I, but that shouldn't matter. No. I mean, he'll. the other thing that's nice is DH spot. DH spot yeah. got him a job this year, probably. And I there's going to be a... Yeah. Well, yeah. he wasn't going to play over Goldschmidt, so... Right. He still shreds lefties. I mean, he bad like 290 last year against lefties, so he can still give them something. And, I mean, last year, when they were in that wild card game, he had a chance to hit a walk-off against the Cardinals. Like, that would have been as if baseball has the potential to break the internet or break Twitter, that was like your best chance right there. If he hit a home run against the Cardinals, a walk off to win a playoff game, Mm -hmm. playoff series. (laughs) Yeah. I, and he swung at a three Oh pitch too, that he hit, gave a pretty decent drive to (laughs) see. He did. I know. I I thought he did it at first. (laughs) We can debate though. No outs three Oh in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. I wouldn't have swung at that, but whatever. (laughs) he Um, was, he saw the moment before his eyes. He's like, I mean, he was on it. It was just, it was right at him. Uh, it's like how yeah, Boston would, Rob broke, goes on yeah. Boston Rob goes on Survivor and he wants to make great television and he he I don't think he like we could debate this all day. I don't think he had a, he knew, I think he knew he had no shot on winners at war and he wanted to give you the best television, the best moments he could and it's a it's kind of like a baller move there. Um and that's why I think I think Pujols was going for. I'm going to make the best television show right here and just try to <laughs> hit a walk off. Um even if he did do that, he doesn't even compare to how Richard Hatch did it in All Stars. I have no chance. I'm going to make this as fun as possible. Okay, that's no a better. That's a better comparison. <laughs> that's a better uh, comparison. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, totally. It's not okay. a. It's not a um, incorrect thing to say. You're, right, you're on so to something there. St. Louis is at 84 and a half. I'm in on St. Louis. I think they're a playoff team. I'm going up. I'm going to say. Let's see. Let's. Last year they won 90. I think that 90 is a pretty good number for them. I say they they go, uh, hmm, do I go 89? Do I go 90? I am going 90 wins two years in a row for St. Louis. I think it also matters how much weight you put in that winning streak um, because obviously it takes a, a lot to pull that off. So I'm not saying it was a fluke. It wasn't. They were incredible and unbeatable, and it was insane. Um. But you remove that, they were like 500 last year. So a team that, and it might be fair to say that no team in the NL Central got better this offseason. Can they, you know, which team are they more so? Are they this, did, can they uh, get some more of this devil's magic from this winning streak? Uh, or will they be more like the team they were for 80% of the season, 90% of the season? I don't know. I, I mean, I have them at, um, I think I said 83 definitely could be nineties. Definitely. Um, I just don't see them being healthy and starting pitching. All right, let's get to the final team here. And that is the Milwaukee Brewers winners of 95 a year ago. Really could have been that team last year that Atlanta ended up being in the postseason. I mean, they were, 
uh, I remember watching they were knotted up one game apiece, and there was a big moment in game three where uh I think they made a decision to it was either it was either that oh no, they they pinch hit for gosh, who was that pitcher? Uh gosh. What was that guy's name? <laughs> who were the pitchers last year? Who are the starters? For, oh, for the Bre- Freddie Brewers? Peralta. Was it Freddie Peralta. Freddie okay. Peralta. Yeah, they they pinch hit. Craig Council made a big decision. They had guys on base, took him out early. He was cruising. Uh, big pinch hit spot. And then whoever was pitching, I think it was my goodness, Charlie Morton. I want to say it was Charlie Morton. He got him out of that inning, and then I, that felt like a real turning point in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have very well swung the other way. I mean, they had with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta of an excellent one, two, three punch at the top of their rotation. As always, is the norm with them a very, very good bullpen. Um, and a lot of guys who, you know, a pretty good lineup too, despite the fact that Christian Yelich has not been for the last two years the Christian Yelich that we saw from 2018, 2019, where a lot of us were talking about him as the National League's version of Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, I mean, worst case scenario, I think he'll be like he was last year. So it's just like this guy could be like, you just signed an all-star free agent if he figures it out. Um, they have a phenomenal manager. Uh, Craig Council is very, very good. Uh, this Brewers team, Jack, is very good. Um they, I have them as the second best team in the NL, um, pretty strongly. Um, and be in this division, it's not impossible. And I would give it like a thirty to forty percent chance that they finish with the best record in the NL. Yeah, that's a fair take. I mean, I, f- I figured I had an idea of where you're going with that when you started in terms of. They should be able to stockpile a lot of wins. And last year, I mean, they they had the second best or well, third best record because you had those two teams out west that went 107, 106 in terms of win right. totals. Um, 95 last year. Uh what in addition to Craig Council, like taking a look at their batting order, I mean, do you think we're gonna see the Yelich of old make a return this year? Are you expecting basically the same from Yelich that we've seen over the last couple of years? How important is Yelich to this team for their performance? What do you think? I'll kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going to dance around answering that. I don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're okay either way. And they're also buying into this platoon thing with having like uh, Mike Broso, who just mashes lefties, Andrew McCutcheon, who mashes lefties, um, Jace Peterson has done pretty well against righties. Um, the Hunter Re- losing Avisail Garcia hurts, but they brought in Hunter Renfro, which softens the blow. I would still say Garcia is better. Um, I thought they should have brought him back for the price that he went for. Uh, Willie Adamas like changed their season last year. Uh, Rowdy Tolez is like, really good, um, against righties. Uh, they have a really good catcher, which a lot of teams don't aren't that strong offensively at catcher. Their rotation is very good. I don't know if you can expect the same thing of Burns last year. I think it'd be unreasonable or unfair to expect that. Peralta's also had problems going deep in games. 
I think this rotation, I think they're going to do a six-man rotation. And their bullpen is very good, too, to where I think that they can set themselves up well. I don't think it's going to be a very stressful season for them. I think they're going to run away with this thing um, unless the Cardinals get hot, uh, which could happen. But I think they're going to be thinking, how do we win in the postseason like we didn't last year? And I think, uh, obviously, you got to worry about the regular season in the moment, but I think by about August, their their sights are really going to be set on October. So you and think they're they going? To do. They're not done. They're going to add some critical pieces that they need to complete. I definitely team. think they're going to add. So last year they, or sorry, they added also from last year Hunter Renfro and Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, it would be so cool to see. I mean, Kutch spent the last few years in Philadelphia injured. Most of the time, um, it would be great to see a healthy Kutch and a Kutch renaissance. But I mean, we're not we're never going to see that that Pittsburgh Kutch. But I think he could still be a good uh, contributor to this club. He's not going to play against righties that much. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a lefty, and he's he's when healthy, he's mashed lefties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see where did they. You might know this. Where did they rank among? National League teams in terms of runs scored last year. Yeah, I'm trying to get um, that. I think they were like a touch a touch behind Cincinnati, right? So th- last year, I got the totals. Let's see. Okay, uh-huh. so Dodgers eight thirty, uh, Giants eight oh four, Braves seven ninety. Uh, red 786, and then the next one would be who is there's a pretty sizable gap actually between those four, and then you get to Colorado at 739, um, Milwaukee at 738, and uh-huh. Philadelphia 734. So, I uh, I guess the one knock on them would be in terms of. It, it it felt like last year. Wow, I feel like I just sounded like Bobby Boucher, the Water Boy. I was like, it, 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 he 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 spit in the cooler. <laughs> At least you didn't say you guys. <laughs> not 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 only will I do it for you, Coach, but uh, 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 I'll do it for you, Coach. That was pretty good. <laughs> I love that movie. I've seen yeah. it too many times. We okay. we should have dropped the, the p- pirates. Will suck again. <laughs> um okay so the thing i remember thinking last year was feeling like they weren't consistent scoring a lot of runs um and that was one of my reservations with them going to the postseason was it felt like they had to win a lot of games by their pitching which they can do um i guess they were i don't know i mean they did well enough 738 so they're probably like what sixth seventh national league so they're kind of like a middle yeah touch above average touch above average um you think that's going to be better this year i think it's going to be marginally better and then i expect them to add a big bat okay yeah if they had that was yeah that was the thing brian cohen and i were talking about we were like if there was one big bat if yelich was just what he had been 
that we did think that would make a big difference in terms of talking about them as a World Series contender versus just a successful regular season team. Yeah, That's the Yelich thing is going to – I don't think it's going to matter for the regular season, but yeah. for the postseason, of course. Yeah, because I look at their roster, and it's a lot of guys who I like in the regular season. And Adamas gave him a lot last year. He was great. Um, and I and I think that's what he is. I, I don't think he's going to like, I, I wouldn't say that that was a flash in the pan. I think Willie Adamas is a stud. Um, and I also think Luis Urias, another guy who looked really good last year. Um, so I like this team, but yeah, if you get into a spot in the postseason, like who is the guy that you're going to count on for the big hit or to score runs when you need to score runs? Um, I don't really see there isn't one guy like I think they need a star. I think they need a big bat. That's that's my hesitation with picking them um, beyond winning this division. The the vet presence of McCutcheon might help. Renfro has a lot of postseason experience. Um, I don't like that they lost Avaseo Garcia. I really thought they should have kept him. I thought he was pretty big. For yeah, last he year. was. Um, but I do expect them to really get someone impactful at the deadline Um, and their pitching is just loaded and that goes beyond their big three of starting pitchers. Their bullpen is very, very good. Um, Regular season is not going to be a problem. Even if people get injured, they're going to need, they're going to need these studs in the postseason. but uh, I think it's going to be a really good. The regular season, I don't think it's a question for Milwaukee. I think, yeah, I really think that I'm going a little lower on them than a year ago in terms of win totals, and I actually think this division race is going to be really close. I'm going to say Milwaukee wins it by two games. I think they're 92 win team. Their over under total is 89 and a half. I think that that's a. I feel pretty safe about that over. Like I think they're definitely going to win 90. I think you're probably higher on them than I am in terms of win total. Um, how many are you going? I'm going to go 98. 98. Okay. Yeah. I think they're going to cruise. Um, and I do think they're going to take their foot off the gas pedal, but I think they're, they're that deep, especially at pitching to where, um, it's, it's going to take them into a position where they are having home field advantage, at least for the first two rounds. Um, I think the Dodgers will probably beat them out, but, uh, beating up on the Pirates will really help. They're going to take probably 12 or 13 of the 19 games against the Cubs and the Reds. So that's a lot of wins right there. Uh, the NL doesn't have, outside of the Dodgers, really, really you know tough, like insanely good teams. Uh, I, so I, 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 think the Braves are, I think the Braves are in that category. I don't, but that's, you know. Yeah. It's not I the NL East or the NL West preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I, mean, we're both very high on this team regardless. So I, Yeah, I mean, we I didn't just, even mention their <laughs> a couple of names in terms of Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's just good. I mean, I say bullpen, and that's who you think of. I don't think it even, you know. I mean, if you want to talk about a, is there a better one-two punch in a bullpen, I mean, that's – that's right there at the top of the list. That's one of the first ones you think of. Yeah, it's especially if uh, Williams can be like he was in 2020. 
Yeah. Uh, they brought back Boxberger, which is huge. He was really good for them last year. Um, He's had a nice career. I mean, he had yeah. he got hurt, but when he was in Tampa, he was great. He wins. He's one of the big winners of a player jersey weekend or whatever. When he just has the box and the burger, next <laughs> to it. like that's the emojis. That's pretty yeah. funny. Okay, um, so Ryan's going ninety-eight. I'm going ninety-two. Okay, so in terms of we talk about this each time, it's the Bachelor. You got a number of roses to give out in terms of postseason spots. So basically, you're giving out six roses. National League teams, how many are giving out in the NL Central? I'm actually going to give out two. I think the I think the Brewers and the Cardinals are both going to be good teams. I think that's going to be a closer race than you expect. I think they're both going to make the postseason. So you're only I I'm not going to put word, well. I guess I am putting words in your mouth. You're saying one would be my guess. No, I'm still going two. I think there's going to be a big cluster around the 80 win mark. I think 83 sneaks St. Louis in, like they always seem to sneak in. Interesting. So you think 83 is good enough for that sixth wild card spot, which I guess it would have been last year. Yep, I do. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the NL that finish or in the 75 to like 82 win range. Okay. I think St. Louis might actually be the five. In... All right, well, then now you got to give me the six. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Um, Atlanta, I think the Mets are going to get in there and then I'm going to also take the Dodgers for sure. And the, Padres, no, I'm leaning giants giants. Okay. Yeah. Padres, I just kind of need to see them do it. No, Phillies never do it. It, Mets. (laughs) The Phillies are trying to win slow-pitch softball games. They're trying (laughs) to win every game 13 to 10. No, I do think the Mets will, and I think the Mets are insanely dangerous if they make the postseason. Mets and uh, Cardinals and the Giants. So that's your six. Yeah. All right. Very good. And I have one more thing that I failed to mention. You said... Nico Horner's healthy. Nico Horner, going back to the Cubs, he the most he's never played more than forty five games in a season. Like I, I'm not expecting him to play more than half the season. So it's the same thing with Senzel for us. I mean, it's well, the other one would it. be Byron Buxton. I mean, people, I, I can't remember what your take on the Byron Buxton signing was when we talked hot stove back in December, but. People were like, he's a great player when he's healthy. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's that's a big part of it is showing up to work and being able to work all the time. The best uh, ability is availability, yeah. as they say. And that's yeah. it's uh, very important. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ryan. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. This is a lot of fun. Uh, thank you. You want to toss out your social media handles or plug anything while you're here? I'm good. Thank you. Just happy to be here. A lot of fun as always. You do a great job. Thank you. That's a great motto for 2022. Just happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Genuinely. Genuinely. All right. Very good. So that does it today for my conversation with Ryan Packett. Great time talking with him. 
uh, and running through the National League Central. Uh, we're going to be back. We've got two more of these to do. The AL Central with Clarence Black and the NL West with Albert Destrade. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And whichever one of those podcasts is the final one I record, that's where I'll give my postseason picks and my World Series pick. Um, thank you guys all for listening, and make sure you come back for our March Madness uh, wrap-up in a few days. And other than that, I mean, that's it for now. Thanks again for tuning in. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>